0: news class 30 minutes 45 for patrons jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth liberty and justice this is monica perez
1: and i'm brad binkley
0: our top story later this week tomorrow to be specific the house is going to vote on a spending bill then sometime in march it's going to go to the senate and the way it works is they're going to use a reconciliation technique so that the Republicans, if I understand it correctly, cannot filibuster them. So the Constitution has in it a way that you really can't have just a simple majority railroad, a large minority. It has other safeguards in that vein, but that's a thing. And then I believe it was like in 19, in the 70s, they allowed for this like once a year per topic. So it's like three times a year maximum. It's, I think, the debt increase, spending and taxes, if I'm not mistaken, which are that's the that's a big difference between the U.S. and the European styles. Congress has the purse strings. That's why you actually should like earmarks, because Congress is actually saying how the money is spent. It isn't discretionary at the executive level. So I don't like this reconciliation idea. It's being used to jam this thing down on Republicans. Or I would say what it actually does is gives Republicans cover. So they could all vote against it and still get it. And they can make their little phone calls. Hey, man, I'm going to vote against this, but don't worry. It's still going to happen. Yada, yada, yada. They love being the minority, in my opinion. But let me tell you what's in it. So the really controversial thing is this potential $15 an hour minimum wage, a federal minimum wage. Uh, Apparently, there's a question as to whether that feature can be in a bill that is pass through reconciliation. so that might be uh, not even a real issue. Now that's something that they've known for a while yet they continue to blather back and forth about the thing. So I think it is a a strategic concession. Like I think it's put in there so that the Republicans can scream and yell about it, get it taken out, which it would have to be taken out anyway in a reconciliation bill, possibly. And then they can look like they at least the worst was averted. But it's still a $2 trillion bill. We're still going to have a $30 trillion uh, debt. And it has like a few other things that aren't as controversial, but they should be. They're just subsidizing blue state lockdowns and um, that kind of thing. So there are... They're going to have a third round of stimulus checks. It's going to be 1,400 people, and they're going to lower the bar of how much money you have to make. So it's pure wealth redistribution from the people with the highest expenses, with the most to lose, who pay the most taxes, getting nothing, and the people who (laughs) don't getting the most. Now, I have sympathy for those people because that's also true where... Waitresses and unskilled workers and, like, human beings who have to go and work were probably hit the hardest. I haven't seen the stats, but that's the stuff that's closed down, restaurant workers and stuff. Uh, the Uh They're going to extend the federal unemployment through August, which I think is $400 a week. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of money. No wonder people aren't PO'd. Yes. They are going to, and they're going to give money to state, local, and tribal governments, which will also augment that kind of thing. So it's just keeping people from from reacting to really unsound policy. They are going to increase funding for vaccine distribution to the tune of $160 billion, which, of course, the Republicans are saying it's not enough because nothing else is really directly COVID-related. I don't want them subsidizing vaccinations at all. And then there's another thing. Uh, yeah, so we're pretty happy. I, you know, Obviously, you don't want the minimum wage to go up because minimum wage is not paid to like the father of four. Like they talk about it, like, how can a man support his family? It's like, first of all, if you're literally a minimum wage earner, you should think very seriously about how many dependents you can sign up for. Minimum wage workers are usually people who are dependents on someone with a better job, and it takes the burden off of that person to give that the this uh, little guy some spending money. So it's a teen, uh, you know, a, a full-time mom who wants a little pin money. And it is also the way, it's kind of... The it's basically what an apprenticeship program would be, where you can pay a teen not a lot of money because they're not really worth very much. And you can show them the ropes about a job. So minimum minimum wage, unless it is so low that it is a non binding, basically, is destructive. So if it's like a $3 minimum wage, it probably wouldn't matter. But when it starts being binding, which is what the purpose is, it really cuts back on employment of less skilled younger people, people who maybe don't have language skills. It's extremely regressive and their numbers show it. So I don't like that. I'm glad if it if it goes away. Now, uh, the eviction ban will be extended through September, from what I understand. And I Through September? It says through September 30th. That's on the table.
1: Wow. I got to tell you, those rent companies, the big rent companies, they're putting a lot of pressure on people who owe the rent in ways that they're not supposed to be doing certain things, but they're doing under the guise of showing up for Uh, repair call that was never made and then when they get there it's oh this isn't really a repair call we're just doing a check to see if you're still in the residence really trying to kind of intimidate and these are the major the big like invitation homes the multi-million dollar Wall Street lenders or not lenders but yeah, Yeah, no, I I know what you're talking
0: about so and that's definitely sketchy I noticed that after 2008 regular homeowners just went by the wayside and And a lot of people who would be homeowners were renting and those guys were swooping up all this stuff at rock bottom prices. There is a measly 30 billion in this package. I don't want anything in this package at all. So I'm just saying measly in comparison, not in comparison to what I want. In assistance to renters and small landlords, someone in my family was injured on the job. So he moved out of his house and moved in with his father and rented out his house. And now the person in the house won't pay the rent, yeah, because they don't have to, and he yeah. has to pay the mortgage, and he can't work.
1: Yeah, so it really he can't even screws live in over. His own house. Yeah, the small I mean, lenders get screwed over. The small uh, landlords, the big ones, the Wall Street ones, they end up benefiting from all of this. They're buying Absolutely. up the houses left Absolutely. and right. Absolutely.
0: And then the landlords have to sell the houses to those people, yep. to the big landlords. Mm-hmm. It's really messed up. And, you know, for me, like, I don't own the house I live in. I can't afford this like huge house in L.A., but we have this little house in the desert that we want so that we can retire to it. So we Airbnb it. They're shutting all that stuff down. It's definitely hurting. But if we had leased that out, because that's what I was going to do, I was like, just lease it out for 10 years. Uh, or however long pay the mortgage down with that. If we had done that and they didn't have to pay us, I mean, that's it for us. Like that isn't it. That is the, the, it, the only reason we own that real estate is so that we have a place to retire to. It's like messed up. So, uh, anyway, the one thing that isn't actually in the house bill, but Senate Democrats are talking about is the student loan forgiveness. They're bandying about numbers from 10,000 to 50,000 in student loan forgiveness. And it's just maddening because. If you've paid your loans, why why should you, who paid your loans, yeah. be paying somebody else's loans off with your tax dollars? Because for whatever reason, I mean, it's just it's completely arbitrary. It's really? maddening. Yeah. It's almost makes think it, it almost makes me think it's meant to be arbitrary. Well,
1: I now think now. That there is something to that when it comes to power and intimidation. Really, is if things are applied arbitrarily, then you're at the mercy of the application of this big government.
0: This is why when I marched on Obamacare and the Europeans were marching against austerity and I ran into European tourists in DC it's like yes yeah, so we are marching to keep the government from taking control of healthcare so we don't have to do what you do which is you have to show up every time you don't like a decision they make about spending you have to show up and beg for them to take some of the money they're stealing from the population and give it to the thing that you care about whether it's healthcare or college or whatever. If you just don't let them take the money in the first place, don't let them take control of the industry in the first place, then you have the power. You have the power of your decision making, of your purchasing. If we're talking about people who are in absolutely degraded poverty, that's something different. But that is they actually set up, I think, some of these programs to make sure people remain in poverty because that's where their power is. Uh, I could go on, of course. (laughs) But let's move on instead.
1: Washington, D.C. is now being... Referred to as Fortress D.C. by many news publications because of the barriers that have been built around the capital area, the walls. There's a wall there. I don't know about the wall at the border, but we have a wall in D.C. And the troops that are there, there's 15,000 troops that have been called to D.C. And there's talk of these fencing that has barbed wire and stuff on it, like a prison almost.
0: It sounds like the martial law that the tripwire got. It really does, yeah. ...who were talking about the election being the tripwire...
1: Yeah. T- ...warned us about. There's talk about it becoming permanent, and the National Guard is going to be there through March at least, and it's having a major impact on the community there emergency vehicles have to go around the 3 miles because they can't they can't go their normal routes causing emergency situations it could could be deadly when otherwise they, it might not have been Parents getting their kids to school can't take the normal route. They're, they don't know how they're going to get their kids to school when the school's reopened. Getting to work is a problem. It's really thrown the community. They, they don't know what to do. And it's causing them to raise the question of D.C. statehood to get under the thumb, get away from the thumb of their federal overlords. Go ahead.
0: I absolutely called that when this started coming down because it was around the same time that they were clamoring for statehood. And I could see some of the people who were really setting the agenda said it was a top priority. I think one of the clips you showed us on Rockfin, the chick said one of the few policies she identified specifically was D.C. statehood. So I thought some of this would be part of that. But the answer to If if statehood is the answer to some of these problems, it would be that the land which belongs to Maryland should be returned to Maryland. Maryland is their state. And no matter what the proposal, the capital would never be in a state. The capital would be federal land. So my guess is the entire area that's that's cordoned off wouldn't change at all because the statehood proposals do carve out the federal properties as not part of the state. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Here's a description of the fence there to give you a better visual image okay. of what's going on there. Patrolled by National Guard troops, the current fence is about three miles around, encompassing not just the Capitol, but adjacent landmarks such as the U.S. Supreme Court, the Library of Congress, and the U.S. Botanic Garden. It cuts off main thoroughfares, effectively severing areas east of the Capitol from downtown and west of the city. It makes you wonder. What are they trying to protect themselves from? What are they preparing themselves for? And (laughs) it seems like they're protecting themselves from the general public, like they're getting bunkered down. And the article then goes into how this is prep for March 4th. (laughs) So they're really setting the stage for something March 4th, or maybe they're setting something for a big nothing. Who knows?
0: Right. It could be they they, in that last Rockman video, they said that they were using this to see how things go. I, we both often think that these things are test runs. They're experiments. They're watching the outcome. It's their running scenario analysis. And I, I would like to see. So I kind of took that chick at face value, the controversial person who said they were waiting to see what happened on March 4th that they are also or someone somewhere must be ginning up the people these experimenters want to see showing up. So our Proud Boys, our Boogaloo, our Oath Keepers, our Trump supporters, our Q, is there anywhere... Anyone listening to me, if if you see something that said that is actually trying to organize this stuff, is the women for Trump or whatever rights livers or whatever organizing a March 4th show? And if they aren't and people do show up, who are those people? I yeah. just I just it's very artificial and it will be interesting to see it roll out. I haven't I haven't heard any chatter
1: Yeah. And the former CIA agent in that Rockfin video openly talks about how they're excited about collecting the data after they have agents infiltrate and create paranoia among the groups.
0: Right. So if they're if they're actually doing that, they must have a handle on who is going to show up. And I just wonder who that might be, because I I don't know anybody who's going on March 4th.
1: Yeah, me either. If you are going, let us know and also be very careful and wary that it is likely oh, yeah. set up.
0: I, I would say you are absolutely right on this one, Binkley, like you were last time. Like there is no reason to show up. It's too it's too yeah. late. I mean, I got to say that is not the, this is not the time for that.
1: Le- yeah. Leading up to this or continuing this push of interviews with family members of people who've been captured and stolen by QAnon. CNN had another one last night, QAnon tearing families apart. Listen to this college student who is desperately trying to help her parents, (laughs) desperately. And I think this is just to gin up this idea that this is a lost segment of the population leading up to March 4th who could be dangerous.
0: Then at the same time that you saw that, I saw a headline about Tucker Carlson saying we couldn't find Q. But of course, Q is anonymous. It's QAnon. But for me, I was seeing this Q denialism creeping up. (laughs) Sounds like a Brian Stelter term there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And my guess is that it will it'll emerge. i not that he's listening, but it's just that it's we're getting ready for that. That's what I think those headlines are getting us ready for.
1: Yeah. So it goes a little a little deeper. Yeah. And in the light of all of this, there's something kind of seemingly parallel going on in Myanmar uh, with Facebook. The Myanmar military has been banned from Facebook and Instagram immediately effective as of yesterday evening. Facebook... In my opinion, is kind of playing the role of governments they might typically play. And they are treating Myanmar, according to their official statement, as an emergency situation. And as a result, they're adjusting their behavior to meet this emergency. And the way they're adjusting their behavior is they have banned the Myanmar military and the military, and they've banned the military controlled state media entities from Facebook and Instagram, as well as any ads from the military that are linked to commercial entities. And yeah, good.
0: It just it doesn't look like a good situation in Myanmar. I haven't been following it. I think all sides are probably bad in that place. But if but they're not Facebook and Instagram aren't blacking out Myanmar. They're not shuttering Myanmar. They're picking who they support. Right.
1: They are absolutely choosing one side over the other, and they are banning these Myanmar-linked groups and people. They say they've banned 23 pages and profiles of content that are controlled and or operated by the... Tatmada, which is the Myanmar military, so that fewer people can see this information that they post. And the reason that they are doing it, according to Facebook, is because they believe it's too dangerous to allow them to post because of incitement.
0: Okay. It is quite possible. We totally expected that either there's a U.S.-controlled faction that wants to take control of Myanmar. Do they want to reinstitute the last president? Do they want to take these guys out? Did they create the coup so that they could get rid of the last president and then replace him, which is kind of how it happened in Egypt, whether Morsi knew it or not? I assume he did not know it. So, So there are obviously different <clears throat> factions here. If Facebook is saying some of the groups are not overtly the government, the bad guys, whatever, but they're linked to it, their fronts. It is absolutely consistent with past behavior of big tech censorship that they will censor. To- I mean, I've been censored by big tech and I am not what they said I was when they censored me. So they can cast too broad a net and that may be the
1: purpose. Absolutely. And they are doing what a government might normally do. So instead of a government subverting free speech they're subverting free speech of one group and determining that they aren't allowed to communicate in the digital sphere so it's like this demonstration of facebook as a government on on the world stage that could very well be applied on march 4th to the united states because they're using fascism. the same language
0: it's this soft world fat not soft but i mean it's this world fascism that doesn't even need the government So it used to be the government empowered the corporations and fascism. That was like your classic Nazi thing. But this is where it doesn't even need the government anymore. It's it's very world economic forum. for yeah, sure. And I believe but the
1: standard will be this. And they say our focus is to do everything we can to prevent online content from being linked to offline harm and keep our communities safe. That's very similar to what they said that they banned Trump for on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Very, very similar. And incitement and all that <clears throat> stuff.
0: The it was interesting because in the Union of the Unwanted this week, Mel I couldn't understand she she just like said it real quick that the Myanmar thing had something to do with the child trafficking, so i 'm wondering
1: if that shoe's going to drop that 's very interesting. A- another thing that popped up in this Facebook message that really stood out to me, and i think you'll, I think you might have something to say about it too is they said the ban does not cover government ministries and agencies that are engaged in the essential public services so if, if you 're linked to the Myanmar but you're engaged in essential public services, you're not banned. And I'm like, I've never heard the term essential services until 2020. And now we're having essential services, again, not being banned in this context.
0: But is it that like the minarchist would say that that's what government is for? So if it's essential services and that's the, the heart and soul of what the government's supposed to be, who exactly are they banning? I mean, I think it's other voices. I mean, I don't know, but...
1: <clears throat> yeah. Interesting. yeah, they're choosing sides. And speaking of choosing sides, Facebook, again, there was a law, an Australian law that was passed yesterday that is being hailed by mainstream media outlets as a big win for the news business to really solidify trust in the news and all around the world. Here is the headline as it was announced over in the UK or over in Australia. The Morrison government's news business bargaining code has just become the law after unanimously passing parliament a short time ago. It comes after the government struck an 11th hour deal with Facebook. Now, the law will force tech companies to pay publishers for news content, which sets the stage for this potential of similar action around the world. So Facebook is going to have to pay organizations of their choosing to publish content. And the ones they're choosing are like The Guardian. They've already got a deal with The Wall Street Journal in the United States. They have a billion dollars allocated towards this. And they reached this deal. Prior to this deal, we had mentioned it earlier in the week, Facebook had blacked out news publishing in Australia because they did not like the legislation that Australia was creating. But the two got together and they they made a deal. And the deal is this. Facebook can go out and engage in contracts themselves instead of having it be forced on them by the government. And as long as the organizations that they pick, like the Wall Street Journal and such, meets the criteria of the government, then it's okay. If they do not, if the government says, we don't like that you chose these organizations or this isn't really what we had in mind, then they can go to arbitration. But We'll know in 30 days because they have 30 days to test it out to see if they're upholding their end of the bargain. And right now, the world is watching. The media of the world is watching because they are saying this is the new standard and they are trying to get to the EU to apply the same standards. And Canada, the United States, around the world, we're seeing these organizations engage with Facebook to get... Paid to put their content on. This is going to smash the little guy. The concerns that are raised when they talk about this in this article are that people, independent publishers that publish on platforms like Medium, might also think that they should be paid. So we need to, we worry that they're going to not cut this off at. Corporate (laughs) conglomerates. So they're just going to be paying the already mainstream media outlets to produce new content for them while not paying or showcasing any of the independent outlets that worked to build up their audiences. So they built their audiences. They don't get showcased. The mainstream media doesn't build it up. They just get paid. It's how you snuff out the little guy.
0: I'm sure that's the point. And I have also noticed this regularization of laws and initiatives all around the world or certainly in the western world and especially in the echelon countries like canada and australia and we have listeners uh, we have a fair amount of listeners uk canada and australia and i have to say i was pretty excited because i noticed at the dot com in the press pool that Stella has been posting some articles, keeping us kind of in touch with what's happening on her side of the world. She posted one that there was I didn't realize this, but a woman was was harassed, arrested and searched by police in front of her children for not wearing a mask. The- Minutes later, the police officer apologized, but then showed up at her house and fined her and I guess there was uproar, and they withdrew the fine but they've there there is a dialectic going on there. I don't know what it is, but I've seen it out of New Zealand with that uh Lucinda, what's her name Ugh. and um In Australia. So I do like to be kept apprised of that stuff, because a lot of times it's foreshadowing, like how they had complete lockdown in New Zealand. And now they're totally open. And look at how great it is. That's a a little bit closer to home example than China for how totalitarian dictatorship can be good for the community. You know, like what's happening in those other countries, especially the stuff that they don't tell us about, is important foreshadowing a lot of times.
1: Yeah, I think. Australia was also where they were putting trash bags over people's heads who had COVID and walking them out to a oh bus. Oh, my
0: God. I heard Tripoli saying that he couldn't find a mask, so he put a paper bag over his head, and oh he got gosh. into a skerpuffle. Stirrup- yeah. I, I thought that was really funny. Very, yeah. very funny. The, uh, I don't, You're way, way too young to remember this, but I remember the unknown comic. He used to walk around with a paper bag over his head. Nice, oh, interesting.
1: I'll have to check that funny. out. Before we get to our last big story of the Free 30, Monica wants to tell us how the Texas power crisis points to the perfect free market solution to climate change. And in the patron 15, this week's episode of America's Next Top Villain. And of course, a big thanks to our sponsor of today's show, Liberty Gear, libertygear.net, an online store filled with masks, shirts, and even some cool posters, including protest gear, such as the Obey, PSYOP, and Flatten the Lies mask, really cool looking mask, and lots of other fun, weird, weird stuff to lighten the mood, and... I love weird stuff. So, when I say weird, it's cool-looking shirts, cool-looking masks that you'll want to show off to your friends. So, even if you chose not to wear a mask, many businesses and governments require them. So, you might as well have one that makes a statement and reaches out to like-minded people in your community, makes them smile at the same time. And if you don't want to buy one, go to the site and just check it out. Chances are you'll get a laugh and you'll see, you'll see something there that you identify with and that you might want to pick up just a souvenir to help you remember these crazy times that we're living in. So if you're looking for something that you don't see, keep in mind they love new ideas and they take requests for custom gear as well. So just email them through the site and please show your support to our fellow liberty lover and propaganda report fan you probably know and love and get 10% off all merchandise with the promo code propaganda, all lowercase, only at libertygear.net. And if you want our premium content, but don't like Patreon, just let us know and we can hook you up personally. We can customize any content package for you without using Patreon. Just email us at the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com and we'll hook you up. And also, please visit us at thepropreport.com for a continuous player of all of our free content. You can hear, you can just hit play and it will play the most recent episode from the top and it will go day by day down the row. You can register at thepropreport.com so that we can include you in our low volume mailing list. We actually have used it Zero times, so that's about as low volume as it gets, but we are cooking up a monthly newsletter and collecting email addresses so that we can stay in contact with y'all if we get deplatformed once again. And if you don't like Twitter... Go to properport.com and click on the tab, Press Pool, to join like-minded Propaganda Report listeners. There, you can share headlines and commentary with us and each other. And finally, our latest feature on ThePropReport.com is a meeting place where you can plan meetups. So, go to properport.com click on the Meetup tab, see if there is a get-together in your area. If there's not, maybe you can plan one. And we are planning to attend a few of these ourselves, so let's check it out and make it happen. properport.com. And now on to our final story of the day.
0: I just heard a story today. Hit the headlines. Wall Street Journal. Texas electric bills were $28 billion higher under deregulation, even though competition in the electricity supply business promised reliable power at more affordable cost. So this is the outcry there. There hitting this independent electric grid in Texas from all sides. I mean, when people say they want to be off the grid, they want to be off the grid for a reason. They don't want to be vulnerable to a one to, to a monopoly of something that they have grown dependent on. So being off the grid is up there with homesteading and prepping and all that stuff. There's a reason for it. So Texas, the whole state of Texas at least is off the grid of the rest of the country. They have control. And of course... They were taught how dangerous that is, and they're getting hit from all sides. Clearly, the push is that they need to be part of the federal system. There's, I'm sure, plenty of reasons that the powers that be want that, and that's what they're saying. One of the arguments they're making is that it was supposed to be cheaper because it was competitive, and it's way more expensive and less reliable. So, how is that even possible? Well, the only way that's possible is if... The government controls those prices. And how can you control prices? Well, you can subsidize them and make sure that those companies carry on. Because in a competitive environment, a truly competitive environment, which I don't think this really was anyway, in a truly competitive environment, there's this concept of economic zero, a race to the bottom. New entrants, and it's hard with electricity because it's a lot of capital, influx, whatever um, investment. But if you are earning outsized profits and providing inferior product, a new entrant will come in and provide slightly better product at slightly lower prices. And that will keep going until there is no reason for people to leave a different industry and enter yours because basically the marginal cost of labor and capital and risk and all that kind of stuff evens out. You will continue to have new entrants until your industry has, that's called economic zero. So you make a profit, but it's not an economic profit above what you would find in other industries. So in a purely free market, you have better quality and less cost. This demonstrates to me that regulation, government involvement infrastructure, grossly subsidizes fossil fuel industries, electricity, power consumption. And if you did let it go to pure free market and the price was through the roof, people would use less. It's the subsidy. I've always thought environmentalists should be absolutely against any kind of infrastructure spending, anything, because this stuff is expensive. And if you want it, you should have to pay for it. And that would make the the use of it plummet. And we would have moved to this telecommunication thing decades ago when it first became technologically viable. Again, these are the kind of things I could go on and on about. But I have some shout outs and some information. So, as you know, I am, this is earlier than usual. I am darting to the airport to go take my special son to see my special mom. And that is why we're doing the patron saint only Zoom party on Sunday from my mom's house but that means i'm gonna be on a plane coming back on monday i hate to take an extra day off it really I, I i agonize over it i hate to do it we however you might like it this time because we have stockpiled fantastic content we did a swapcast cast with truthzilla yesterday that was about the most fun i've had in one hour and as long as i can remember i mean it was fast paced it was Really respectful, interesting, fun. And Mm. that is what we're going to put instead of the DNB on Monday. So you should be happy with that. And tomorrow it's going to be Adam the Agorist. That was a great live stream. And actually, I think we have probably five or six things we're going to post. So don't be mad at us for that. And we have a big shout out from B. You know who you are, B. To Bill at Neighbors. B ordered some seeds from Bill, got them shipped out the same day. He was super helpful and responsive. Everyone loves Bill. He's gonna be at the Patron Saints Zoom party on Sunday so you can ask right. him your homesteading questions and your homeschooling questions. We're gonna do some of that. JJ Biggie's gonna join us for a little homeschooling. Hopefully, Leah, the other patrons who homeschool, if you are a patron and you homeschool, shoot me a message and uh I'd like to get to know, you know, I've got some questions for you. If I've got a couple of spots, maybe we we make a special invitation to that Zoom party. And I want to thank our newest and some of our oldest patrons, Ellen. Thanks for signing up for Patreon. Hope you love it. Please tell me. If Welcome, you. Ellen. Welcome, Ellen. Andrew S. Brandon A. Keith G. And conspiratorial conspiring another great podcast. So thank you guys for all of your support. And have a great evening, day, whatever your line is, Binkley, and on to the Patreon 15 if you're a Patreon (laughs) patron.
1: You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at ThePropReport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we were just telling you about, go to PropagandaReport.com or go to Patreon.com slash PropagandaReport and become a patron or Rockfin.com slash PropagandaReport. Have a fantastic weekend, rest of your day. Everything. Have a fantastic everything. (laughs) We will talk to y'all next week or in the Patreon 15.